This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Are you going to take us on a tour now? Let's do it. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn, you're going to stop looking at me, which is great. And, uh, and we'll turn around and, and have a look uh, at the garden. So this year, next month, we've been here 10 years. Uh, and, and I think the original idea for me and Lou was to create a garden because we were both working uh, as gardeners. And I think the thing is, is we didn't want to come home and do the same kind of gardening that we did for everyone else, everywhere else. Lou was a self-employed gardener after she finished her apprenticeship with me. Um, so she was in multiple customers' gardens, but often it's a, a similar style. It's, it's hard trying to talk customers, unless you find the right ones, into, into going for something a bit more exotic or a bit more challenging. Or, or if you ask them to spend money on plants that might not survive, it can be a hard sell sometimes, <laughs> which wasn't a problem for me at Salutation. But so we kind of cut our teeth uh, with exotics there, but we wanted to come home to an exotic garden and escape from reality. Um, and so early on, it became um, our mission to kind of create a very, in a small space. So it's, it's uh, I'm trying to think how, it is 17 meters by 23 meters, I think. God, I wish there was smell of vision. Look at this Clerodendron trichotoman. Flowering, it's been flowering its socks off. It's been having a really good summer because of that cooler weather uh, and a little bit of a rain at the right moment. So, yes, yeah, so it started off feeling very much like exotic planting, like you'd get in a park almost, or like what we were doing at Salutation. But that was, that was only ever the beginning. The intention was always that we would end up uh, with, a, with a jungle garden where you had layers with these upper canopy trees like this Azara prosera. Uh, which branches much more. This was a, a gift from um, Tim Ingram uh, at Copton Ash, and he, he prized it off the floor at the nursery where it probably sat there perhaps a little too long. And he said, nobody ever wants this. He said, so take it and, um, and gave it to us. So an evergreen small tree, beautiful branching uh, frame now. You know, and, and, and we've got a lot of... Um, evergreens in the garden so so we've actually got a really sheltered garden now even in the winter which of course now suits the exotics perfectly so we've got a deck at the very back of the garden oh there's the hot tub because uh, it's a party garden of course uh, <laughs> plenty of places to sit when they're not covered in succulents <clears throat> and and a little uh, this, is, this was a, a friend gave this to us a little railway bench which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should point out the reason there was a clear throw about the succulents is because they are more Lou's thing than your thing, I think. Yeah, no, I I admire them, but she's has a, a, a real thing for them. And uh, and I think she's subversively trying to take over the nursery and turn it into cactus and succulents. That's our recent haul uh, when we went to the Picton nursery and uh, of course got lots of lovely asters, but also they had a an amazing range ross had this amazing range of succulents uh made me laugh when i said about oh don't you grow any cacti or, or agaves he said no no plants that bite 
Um, we've got a couple of eucalyptus in the in the garden. Um, this is Porciflora, which um, I'm I'm think I'm going to live to regret probably. But you know, we don't we don't think we really don't think about any of our plants in the garden, including the trees, as being permanent fixtures because it's an exotic planting. So. You know, I, I have no fear about um, getting stuck in. And I mean, it's quite a trunk now. Uh, this is, God, can you believe it? Right. So if I hold my hand up, uh, you can see it's about, um, or it's, um, it, well, it's about a, a, a foot across, maybe a bit more. Uh, and it's only four years old. I mean, look at this tree. That's just nuts, isn't it? So, but we've got a few telegraph poles, and I wanted to hide the cables because I, you know, I hate looking at the telegraph pole over there. So we wanted to make sure we hid that in the corner of the poor little birch that came from our. It's one of the utilis Jack Montii, so it's sort of well known. But you've got to be careful with trees in in any garden, really. But um, even particularly with a small garden, you need trees that have small leaves or leaflets. Because if they have large palmate leaves, it creates deep shade. Because not all shade is equal. Oh, look, there's um, the Sambucus black lace we were just talking yeah. about. We, yeah. we kind of stool that back um, intermittently. Uh, but um, so, but you know, the birches are great for uh, for the lovely small leaflety dappled shade, uh, which is uh, which is gorgeous. And we've hidden our boundaries because it's not a big garden. But uh, we've hidden our back boundaries and our, our neighbours probably look very nervously with the bamboo hedge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do. So as good husbandry, we just go down in the spring when they're forming their new combs. And if they're going to run, they're probably going to start then. Uh, is that we just pop down the back against the fence and just sever anything that looks like it's heading for the neighbour's garden just, just to be a good neighbour. Because uh, uh, otherwise you can have angry neighbours on your doorstep. Um, there must be so many people who think, oh, why can't we le live next door to someone like Steve and Lou? <laughs> yeah, do you know? Well, uh, and, and it's probably equally as many people who go, oh, my God, I don't want to live next door to Steve and Lou. <laughs> but at least, um, you're, you're, at least your bamboos don't go rampaging. No, no, we, we look after them very carefully uh, because we are aware that it's not a big garden and we share it we share our space with neighbors very close to us um and actually part of the thing about the bamboos because after water bamboo is one of the best things uh for diffusing noise from roads and we've got a little lane behind us which isn't normally very busy except for today of course <laughs> because that's just typical isn't it um and you can see also our neighbor's house you can just see if i lift the camera high it's a bit of a monolith next door lovely neighbors we've got on both sides both of whom probably think we're utterly bonkers for our love of plants. Ne next door um, on, on this side, there is no plants in the garden, just a lawn, just, just, just grass. There is nothing. And on the other side, uh, our neighbour at the other side, they are very, they're always in the garden, always enjoying the garden, tinkering, growing veg. Um, often we'll hand plants over the top of the fence to Helen. Try this one out. She has all oh, another plant to try and kill. <laughs> Again, um, we, want to live next door to Stephen Lou. <laughs> it's it's um yeah it's it's not we're we're lucky we live in this little village. We wanted village life, so we moved to the village of Ash. Uh, and now this is a bit of a thug. Uh, the pseudo Sarsa japonica. 
And so we, we actually thin out all the combs so you can really see through it. And we have to really carefully check for runners uh, two or three times a year because it does have, you know, if it, if it likes where it is, it has ambitions to take over the world. Um, and, and just next to it, just behind it is Euphorbia stygiana. And actually, do you know, I'm going to go into, um, into the jungle, come off the deck and uh, past the little Grisolinia hedge. You, I can pan backwards and you can see the kind of deck space and uh, the, the cane begonias, begonia luxurians. And we've got a little cabin at the back, which is my office because I've been banished from the house. Don't have enough room there. I make too much noise, apparently. So off to the uh, off to the cabin in the garden. So if I if I come in, you can see that we've underplanted uh, the Euphorbia stygiana. So it's from the Azores, and uh, it's one of the parents of, of the the mighty Pasturii, of which John Phillips is one of my favourite clones. But to be honest, um, stygiana itself is beautiful. A very large, broad uh, leaf for a euphorbia that has, um, actually, I'm trying to find where, oh, there's the camera. So, uh, and it has a lovely limey midrib. So, so it's obviously Pasturia has taken quite a lot from, um, from its mum, I presume. And mellifera from the Canaries is its other. So you've got, you know, uh, Pasturia is a cross between mellifera from the Canaries and Stygiana from the Azores. But it's it's really branched out. It's probably 15 feet tall now. So you can see, and the bird feeders because we have bird feeders all over the place, uh, and a few stakes. Now I want to to get some some much cooler stakes. I saw a picture of a tree stake that was basically a carved person. I don't know if anyone if, if you've seen this. Uh, and there was this. Um, it's basically holding the big bough of a tree, and it's a carved person holding their child above their arms and and that was basically the tree stake and i thought amazing oh so that's the way to do a tree stake you know if you want to keep the bow of a of a of a tree up rather than just something boring like sticking a couple of hot poles under it or something that sounds very cool so that's uh euphorbia stygiana there that's beautiful uh, in the autumn and during the winter when it gets quite quite cold um lots of the leaves will hang like they're going to drop off and they'll often change color and some of them do drop if it's if it's quite cold um but uh, a lot of them will just spring back uh, as soon as it warms a little uh you know because we don't get cold for very long a bit like alan you know we might get minus as much as minus six or seven but it, it's never for more than a few days or it's it's rare that it's a, more than a few days and if i pan across you can see our variegated uh brugmansia oh. you can see how big people always say you don't leave this out do you i mean it's it's got to be 10 foot tall uh, and if i go down to the lower canopy then you can see i said no no we really don't so we actually uh we've got it underplanted with plectranthus of course uh that's um plectranthus elephine which is a has a really pretty little pink flower and um, uh, but we plunge it in a great, great big pot so that it can with quite large holes in the bottom of the pot so it can root out of the bottom of the pot and then we can um, just tear it out of the ground and uh, we can now I, I always a bit funny about saying this but we we call we bone it you know when I first started with the parks department in my local area 
that's what they used to say. They used to say, right, well, we're going to bring Manzies in now, but there's too much foliage on them. So we, we bone it back to a set of bones. That's the, the thing. It's only my mind that took it somewhere else. <laughs> it's all right. You're on Talking Dirty. You're in the right place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is it's very true. And so if I pan down, you can really see as, you, as I pan across, uh, we've, we've got no lawn. There is a, a deck at the back of the garden and we have got paths, just bark paths that lead everywhere. Uh, and a few, uh, a few succulents even, and agaves. And Aeonium, see, this is Lou's influence. Look, my jungle garden getting taken up. Actually, it's really Lou's jungle garden. This also, I thought this was a clever idea um, because it's right at the edge of the path um, for stopping visitors to the garden from stabbing themselves on the agave by having corks just pressed into the end of the agave. What I actually didn't realise is that it immediately gave away to every visitor just how much we drink. <laughs> You've been saving them for a very long time, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, uh, let's go with that. <laughs> you, and you can get a, you can see the the back door of the house, and uh, Spanish moss, mm. and uh, pseudo panax. Uh, so this is uh, crassifolius. No, it's not. Yes, no, yes. Hang on, I have got a lady here. Yes, it is. No, it's not. This is. I have to check these labels because it's uh, it's Tatara uh, Evergreen. We've got 28 different pseudopanax in the garden because we've got the national collection. But it's Lou's national collection, really. You're talking to the wrong person. I should have dragged her out. But she's such a chicken. She doesn't like talking, not even on a podcast. Because she's was... so quiet, is Lou. Oh, yeah. She's oh, really... no, she's not. <laughs> Not once you've got a lemonade in her. <laughs> the cordyline australis. This is a huge tree. I mean, it's got to be uh, let's see, about 25, 30 feet tall now. And you can see all the seed heads forming in June. The scent from it is incredible. It's the only plant that we left in the garden when we began 10 years ago. We basically came in with a digger. And we just destroyed the place because we wanted to extend the house. The house was tiny. It was a little cottage, two up, two down on a small detached plot, uh, but very modest. But we, we needed to extend it for family life. Uh, and so the only thing we left was this quarter line. And the scent is incredible in June, which was a real surprise to me because although, you know, you, you sort of... I think because it's such a small area, you know they, they are scented, but because it's captured into this area in June, you come out the back door and it just hits you uh, like somebody's been spraying perfume all over the plants <laughs> everywhere you go in the garden. Uh, and then the thing that surprised me even more, because it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a plant that's done to death. You see it everywhere, um, but it's evergreen. And then these seed heads, the starlings come in in great big gangs and absolutely destroy all the seeds. They they take every one of them in the autumn. They gobble them all up. They're uh, they're amazing. They and they make so much noise doing it as well. <laughs> Back to your wildlife friendly garden. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. So if you give if you give animals, insects, invertebrates, whatever it is, if you give them food and you give them water, you give them shelter. You've got the three main elements that everything in life needs. Um, that's um, the, the first dahlia. 
uh, it, this is a quite a dark spot, so it's a bit shy about its flowering, but that's um, bright eyes. Um, so it's um, it's quite a stemmy, quite a, quite a leggy dahlia, small leaves, which is I quite like, and a, and a single flower, and and salvia amistad. And as you can see, you can see actually that we we've got things like capsid bug and and a bit of thrip and there's a bit of all sorts of things like that. We we don't worry about these things too much because um, we won't use any insecticides. We'll use organic insecticides or we'll look at some sort of way of controlling them naturally. Integrated pest management stuff, you know, as they, as they say. But we don't have any desire to spray anything, uh, if I'm honest. And if, if a plant is continuously attacked, we just stop growing the plant uh, because there's loads of other plants that do the same job or a similar job. Lots of gingers. This one's got a lovely arch mm. uh, to and a, and a really dark purple stem. Well, it's difficult. They've got the light against it. But um, Hadicium, this one's uh, rubrum. Uh, we went to see Andrew Gaunt, who's the, the national collection holder of Hadicium. And um, he was brilliant. I mean, as we went round and we were saying, oh, that's lovely. He'd be like, hang on a minute. He jumps into the giant pot, uh, severed. Um, a whole chunk off with a spade and then just puts it in a bag and hands it to you. Uh, so incredibly kind. That's gardeners for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, they just want to share yeah. their love of things. So hibichiums, or gingers, Steve, uh, they're one of those plants that are, I think, vastly underestimated in gardens at the moment. And we've, uh, East Russ and Bickers, together with the RHS and with Andrew Gaunt, we're actually doing a three-year trial of hibichium starting next year um, because... I think one of the things that people don't realise is that they are a lot more hardy than perhaps lots of gardeners realise. Um, and, you know, there's two requirements. One is dryness in the winter. The other is wet, 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 wet while I'm growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I know you're doing the trial, actually, Alan, because um, I think Lou is going to be on the trial forum. Great. Uh, don't know for certain, but I hope she is. Because uh, and I don't know if I should say this or not. Yeah, we'll just say it because she's she's been appointed to the tender ornamental plant committee at the RHS. Oh. Uh, so I'm on herbaceous, yeah, and she's on tender, which means that's it. Fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> in in the most fun way, of course. But it's I'm so pleased for her. But the first thing uh, that um, that um, it was David Ford rang and said. There's a Hadicium trial. Uh, it's going to be at East Ruston. Would you be interested? And both of us were like, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping she'll be uh, a member of that forum because we find That'd them a great, fascinating actually. group of plants. Yeah, they're they're yeah. brilliant. We grow loads of them. And you're quite right. They, they're much hardier than people give them credit for. And, and I love the succession that they offer because they, they often don't even appear out of the ground until June. Hmm. And so they're a great follow-on plant. You can have so much happening um, underneath them during the spring, you know, uh, in any way you want, really. Uh, we used to use them in our traditional cottage garden borders. And so there'd be a whole myriad of, of spring cottage garden flowers doing their thing all the way up until kind of May. And then suddenly in June, these stems would just rocket out of the ground. And by September, huge flowers and it looks all exotic, yeah. uh, a completely different feel. I was just looking at some of these bananas. Uh, we've got some, this is just Musa Bijou, and I'll show you Sycamensis in a minute. But we've also got one called Montbelladii, 
which um, which is, has a much more upright leaf. And let me, I'm going to turn the other way so we can see it. Oh. Ah, here we go. So the leaf is unlike the Ventricosa morellii that you see a lot, which is much more paddle shaped, broader and a bit a bit shorter. Um, Montbellardii is incredibly long, and it's and the stems are vertical almost. You get the odd one that pops out, but if I'm just trying to back up a bit. There we go. Oh yeah, you can get a better view of it from there. And so it's great as a punctuation mark. Uh, and a really old-fashioned cultivar from the 20s. You just don't see it around very often. Yeah, it's got an air of the 20s about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of quite. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this canna, isn't this? Gee, I love uh, Eridiflora emanii. Mm. It's a sterile clone. God, it's absolutely beautiful. There are so few cannas that have big arching drooping flowers. Uh, and again, paddle-like leaves, huge green paddle-like leaves. And and uh, rising out of the middle of it, Persicaria orientalis, wow. got to be, I suppose, about 12 feet now. Uh, kiss me over the garden gate. All right, if you if you really insist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's and it's the most it's the most amazing pink flower. Yeah, I, I love it. And their seed as well. Actually, the seed is so easy to collect. Uh, it's um, it's a lovely thing. I just, I just, you know, and nobody believes you uh, when we have open days. So we're open for the National Garden Scheme. Our last day of the year is next Sunday. And um, nobody believes you that that is all one year's growth. Yeah. Uh, at tw- when they're looking at a plant 12 feet up in the air. Amazing. And and to go back to your canna amanii, We've been able to see that, like a little beacon in the distance, those wonderful pendulous pink flowers beckoning us on uh, as you've been looking at various other plants. It's a real standout stunner. Also, the bird song in your garden is stunning. You know, we, I, we have we do have a lot of birds because uh, um, we're quite lucky down on this East Kent coast anyway because we get lots of migrating birds using the mudflats all around us. But actually, we've got a lot of birds that live here and one of the places I'll take you to and show you where they live uh, is um, it's their high-rise block of flats. Um, so, so we've got this, um, it's a trachycarpa fortunii. So it's one of the few things that we put in. We, we put in uh, one at about two meters straight away and a little one at about a meter. And another one um, all going from meters to feet. It was 16 feet when we put it in. So it's about 20 feet now. So what's that? Uh, six, nine, 12. So it's about five meters tall. And, uh, and we've got Sissus striatula, a climber, uh, scrambling up it. And they basically, uh, the sparrows and, and dunnets and all sorts, they use it like a high-rise block of flats. And they all nest at different heights all the way to the top. Uh, and various other uh, shrubs and small trees uh, like this. Pittosporum eugenoides, which is absolutely beautiful. Huge, um, huge leaves with a lovely lime midrib to the center of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really special Pittosporum. And that's probably 18 feet as well now. So we're just looking up. Actually, on a day like this, when it gets so hot, it's much cooler uh, being in the jungle. And I don't just mean it's cool because it is cool, but it's so much cooler. Uh, which is quite a nice thing. So I'm very thankful for it. So this is Stryachla there with the 
with the Chuzan palm. And, uh, and I love speaking of leaflety trees, uh, the silk tassel tree, whose name has just sprung straight out of my mind. Uh, yes. Albizia. Albizia. <laughs> yes, that's it, Albizia. <laughs> There's several of those, actually, and I think there's been a bit of work done on them because there's one or two that are really not reliably hardy. There's one called um, something chocolate, which is has brownish foliage, but there's Julie Brisson, um, and it's got a name on it as well, but had, it's smothered itself in pink fluffy flowers in our garden this year and really has been the hit, hit of the summer, I think. Yeah, no, same same for us. We've just got the green one, the, the chocolate form... Um, Breaks my heart, and, we, and we've killed it so many times. Me too. And um, and we keep we keep well. We try it generally whenever we're in a new garden or in a new location. We'll try it three times. That's our rule: three times, and you're out. We just obviously can't grow you. Don't have the right conditions, or maybe we haven't cracked what it is that that plant needs. So we then stop growing it. But for my bedroom window, which is uh, so the barn end just to the uh, to the left of the picture that's our bedroom and and then just to the right that's my bathroom window and so when I'm brushing my teeth every morning I look out onto thousands what seems like hundreds hundreds or thousands of pink silk tassel flowers in fact there are still a few up there but now the tree is so big you can really only appreciate it in the same way for flowering from my bedroom window which are, which, of course, Alan, you're welcome anytime, but, <laughs> but I'm not letting everybody from the National Garden Scheme go into my bedroom just to look out of my bathroom window at the flowers. <laughs> Meaning. <laughs> so I'm going to pop down. So I, I wanted to show you our um, the, the sort of uh, the buffer zone, we call it. So if I turn around here, so we've got a patio. Again, so we've got bifold and trifold doors. It's a, it's a modern extension. Um, it's what we could afford, uh, but it's, it's okay. We quite like it. But the thing about the great big windows is that the, uh, the floor to ceiling doors that do also open, you know, you, you connect with the garden immediately, but it it's, doesn't feel claustrophobic. Mm. Uh, not to me, because we've got a patio, which is about... Um, so one about three and a bit meters across uh, for ferrying backwards and forwards. You know, you've got to, you've got to get in and out of your garden. But we also have two small ponds um, that we put into the patio. Which, How many um, people fall in those? Well, we we do have to station somebody because people they come in and they're often so busy looking up. Um, at the jungle garden and and they walk around the corner and then they they almost fall in so we stationed somebody right by the ponds uh helen yen when she visited a few years ago or several years ago now um she i had to scoop her into my arms because i thought she was going to fall in the pond and and she coined them her suicide ponds because <laughs> because she said you know oh that's that's a that's a man trap if I've ever seen one. And she said, "Oh, I nearly I nearly lost my life in that pond." So that's it. Ever since then, they were the suicide ponds. Uh, but you know, it's not so much people as it is cats. Because uh, you know, we're we're in a in a village, lots of neighbours, and you get quite a few local cats that love to come hunting through this jungle, as you can imagine. And um, and 
you hear them scrapping and you come to the back door, but actually all you actually see is a trail of water heading away from one of the ponds where, where they're fighting and one of them leaps backwards, they fall into the water. Oh. That happens very regularly. <laughs> <laughs> They're great, though, and brilliant use of space. I am distracted by the fern over to the left of the picture. Oh, uh, this this guy, a polystichum. It's just a polystichum satiferum, oh. you know, the shield fern. Um, and, and, you know, because down here in our, our sunny East Kent, you know, huge uh, light level, really high UV, we have to be so careful how we use ferns or anything shade-loving. This does give us a, a wonderful little spot that's um, shady and cool. There's Hakanakloa down there. That's one called Green Hills, which is beautiful with the Fatsia polycarpa. Um, and Pseudopanax, uh, pseudo um, Persicaria, and this is Ballet, Virginiana Ballet, because that's one of our other national collections is the Persicaria Virginianas. And then you have um, wonderful... So I have to say, for a long time, I didn't like fuchsias um, and I wouldn't go near them because it's all those over bloated, hideous cultivars that are around. Oh, I couldn't bear them. Too much reminiscent of my childhood. Yeah. But then I realised species fuchsias, unreal. Uh, this is hatchbackii. Mm. So actually, it's, you know, sometimes it's just finding um, plants within a genus that, that you like to look at. And I just think, wowzers, look at those. I mean, it, it, it was unfair of me to label every fuchsia as a bad plant. Uh, but I did for a while. I guess it's probably the same with the Japanese maples. What's the point in having a mind if you can't change it? <laughs> but, it's a bit uh, like gear stick. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, we... Um, uh, we've embraced a few. I mean, that's from Brazil, and that's in shade, uh, that hatchback eye. I know it sort of looks like it, it would almost be evergreen, but but it's not, and it, and it never is. And sometimes it even gets beaten back quite hard, but we've never lost it. Um, in a couple of locations, we've used it. And in really a garden well. like yours, I mean, you've mentioned a few of the um, evergreens as we've walked through, but kind of what would be your your top evergreen plants if someone is looking to introduce more of the jungle look to their garden but they don't want it to all be things that will disappear oh god uh, so you know you've got to start with the basic and the simple stuff like for instance the cordyline australis i know it, it's done and it's almost a bit boring but um if you try and put in things like fatsia polycarpa it it will frazzle for me, in our high light levels, you couldn't grow this in full sun. You can already see where some of the leaves are curling at the top, mm. where it's actually taken too much sun and it's in part shade. So, so some of the evergreens um, that I'd start with are things like cordylines, things like trachycarpa, uh, things like pittosporums, like the eugenoides. But also if we pan across and you can sort of look through the gap. Uh, oh, no, that's... Uh, Solanum. You can actually see there. It's very Jurassic-looking tree. That's a Cryptomeria japonica. That's raisin. What I do is I walk round and show it to you because that's an amazing conifer. Oh, uh, an essential item in every house. This is our. Um, you know, of all the things I thought I'd be showing you, I didn't think I'd stop at the at the washing line. But you know. <laughs> but, 
you know, people often look at our jungle and they're, and they're looking and they're thinking, well, this is all lovely, but how do you dry anything? Uh, and, you know, so we've just got to, um, so you pop the button and it pops open against the wall and it's bolted to the wall. So it then just pulls away and, it, and you can sit, you put your washing out. Essential, Clever. essential, you know, because we, it's our home. This is a, you'd love this firm, oh. this is um, uh, Polystickum, this is Bevis. Oh. And, and it's just unbelievable. And in the winter, it, even, it gets even better. I just, I just think they're, they are incredible. I, I'm, I'm not very good with fans. They're kind of, they're, and again, they're one of Lou's little things, but it's because growing up on the Isle of Thanet, you know, we've got a maritime situation. You know, it, if you travel for more than 15 minutes in any direction and you don't hit a beach, then you're going to Canterbury. That's how it works when you live in Thanet. <laughs> it's not an island, but it kind of is an island. Well, it was an island a long time ago. But fans, they just crisp up and disappear in, in minutes. Um, so I, I never learnt a lot of them. But to have a jungle garden, as the, as the layers start to develop, um, you can then start to underplant. And that's when your shade plants come into their own, like the ferns. Um, so we're going to head in. Well, I know I looked up at this wonderful tree, actually, so we might as well have a quick look at that. A liquid amber. Uh, this is called Slender Silhouette. This oh. was a really narrow conical liquid amber from the U.S., that's a gorgeous thing. Uh, and it really just shoots for the sky without going out too broad. Look at those leaves. And it will turn a butter yellow. So it doesn't quite do like the Storassa fluors. You expect them to go, all goes that lovely ruby reds and burnt oranges and burnished colours, but it's not quite the same. Uh, oh, and as we're on our way, we'll have a quick look at, at the Manihot. Oh. The plant that everybody desires. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Euphorbia AC, I'm pretty certain. And oh yeah, it is. And actually there's this, you can see the seed pods forming. Uh, so, and lots of flower. So we're still very hopeful that if we get a, a long and warm autumn, which seems to be the case at the moment, then uh, we'll be able to collect lots of seed from that. Uh, Manihot Grammii. Oh, it's a gorgeous creature. Because yours is so big as well, you, you get the opportunity to look up into those leaves and see the silhouette against the sky, which is something else. They're wonderful. Yeah, no, it is. It's It's got a pride of place right on the corner. Um, I, as Alan said, it's, it's a plant that we're showing off. <laughs> and some plants deserve to be shown off. This is Cryptomeria. And you can see, and this is raisin. It has these wonderful twisted, <sighs> twist, twisted needles uh, that you just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Jurassic looking. Yeah, it's quite something. And that's evergreen. But again, it, it's not a, a dense, thick conifer. You can see the trunk, this lovely chestnut brown trunk. And then... You know, it sort of sporadically branches all the way up. And so it, it feels just at home in a jungle garden because it looks so Jurassic. Uh, but one thing you should definitely have, if you're going to have a bamboo for to start yourself off with, it should be Semiarundacea fastuosa. Uh, it, it really is a very cool bamboo. Um, it, it doesn't have ambitions to take over the world as quickly as other ones. 
Uh, the other one, thinking of Alan's actually his st story about bamboos costing a fortune and then um, running for the hills. This is one that cost us a fortune when we bought it, but didn't run. And that's um, Berinda Papi Rifera, Stapleton 1046. So it's Chris Stapleton's form with the lovely blue combs. And uh, it's about, uh, so we bought a plant for about a hundred quid and it was in a five litre pot and that was 10 years ago. And I was thinking, oh God, that's quite a bit of money for a bamboo. Uh, and, and it wasn't even a guarantee that it was hardy enough to survive. Uh, so that's, um, that's very cool. That's a bamboo for a special garden with those lovely blue combs. Oh, that is beautiful. And I think, did we see a little kind of, yeah, a little snippet there of your prop house, which... Yeah, we've is... got two houses and one of them with this tree tomato in front of it. Uh, can, you, can you see the tomatoes hanging? <laughs> they want a, a potato. This is the hardier species. So it's not, um, it's not the potassium species that you see. It's corombosa. So it's a slightly smaller leaf, but this is even this even went through the beast from the east. I just love the fruits and the flowers together. Everyone asks what what this is. <laughs> Been in situ now for for about six seven years. I I can only imagine if you came for a walk around your garden, Steve, you'd need an entire notebook. I mean, Alan, how many pages have you used up writing down plants? <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've condensed my writing because I knew that it was going to be one of those days where I, I use an awful lot of paper. So I've condensed my writing to a page and a half, but it is full scap. <laughs> and, I'm now, and I'm now in filling. So I just hope that I will be able to make sense of it. But Yes, I think. Can can we come back, Steve, so that we can look at more and really focus in on the the, the glass houses? And I mean, there is just so much to see here, and I can hear the baby sort of mewling outside. So I feel like my time is probably limited. But no, uh... let's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, then we can show you the hydropod and the phytopod and all oh, the Sparmania variegata. Lovely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think what we need is a whole video dedicated to what's going on under glass in your garden. I mean, it really does prove what you can do if you utilise every inch of space effectively in a, a smallish plot, because, I mean, there are gardens which are much, much bigger than yours and have much less to to, to pour over and get excited about. Oh, Yeah, no, we... You know, we have two 10 by 10 greenhouses, effectively. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always a, a spot for a, for a gin and tonic um, in the evening while we're just doing a little tinkering. We love tinkering. You know, early evening. I have to say, I, me and Lou, I can't remember. It's probably April, the last time we sat down on the living room sofa. Because it's the summer. Why wouldn't you want to be outside? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Particularly when you've got so much to look at. And if we do move towards the flomo section of the podcast, that kind of fear of missing out, you get about a flower or a plant. Um, I I came into this with something completely different just because I'd been to the Cambridge University Botanic Garden. But I am now absolutely sort of drowning <laughs> in jungly plants that I I want. And I will probably most of the plant list for this episode will become flomo. Just to quickly float the one that I saw at the Cambridge Botanics was Eryngium creticum, a lovely sort of half metre tall 
uh, see holly smothered in beautiful blue little prickly flowers with blue stems, um, which I would love to try if I have the drainage for it. Also, um, I saw on your Instagram a little while back, Steve, a plant you tried at Chelsea, I think, a, what was it called? Titan Titantium? Oh, Tinantia. Tinantia. Oh, yeah, a, a Tradescantia relative from Mexico. Really, really surprisingly hardy and it self-seeds. It's amazing. I love it. Really mottled sort of splotchy leaves. Um, That's it. Sort of, a sort of grey-green leaf uh, with the little purple blotching through it. And then your very typical um, lavender kind of Tradescantia flower. It looked really interesting. So that's what I came into this podcast flow mowing over. Now my mind is sort of blown <laughs> by so many other plants. Alan, what are you sort of picking out from what we have seen today? Well, several, but I mean, I'm only going to pick one because I think it'd be selfish. And we've gone on and baby's crying. So, <laughs> isn't it a wonderful excuse to have thought it? So tell you. <laughs> It's a it wonderful excuse be... when you want to escape, when you yeah. want to carry on talking about plants. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd like to thank Steve for this wonderful tour. And I love the way you've you've masterminded your laptop around and giving giving uh, given us this fantastic tour. I'd like to have the whole of your garden. I'm flow mowing for the whole lot of it. But out of all the plants that you showed us, I'm going to pick just one. I'm not going to be so, too selfish, although secretly I am really. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is Kafea. And I couldn't tell whether you said David Verity or Berity. Verity, yes. Yeah, yeah. with a V. Yeah. I thought that was a stunning plant, and I that is really on my wish list, and I would love to find it, and I'm going to do my utmost to look it up as soon as I say goodbye to you. <laughs> Before we <laughs> well, say goodbye, fun. though, uh, what was the plant that you, with the variegated leaves down there that you just showed us before you settled on this gorgeous shot? Yes. Oh. Persicaria, um, it's Virginiana, and it's just Veragata. Ah. So, because I think the one painted palette gets all of the all the kind of yeah. noise it around a lot. But the Vera, just the normal variegated form, is so striking. It has really good depth to it. Yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's much better than painted palette, in my view. There we go. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Brilliant. Steve, I can't wait until we can come back and take a look at what you've got going on under glass. We need to visit the land. There are hours more to spend in your company uh, recording podcasts. But for the time Poor being, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for this, though. What a wonderful, inspiring time. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure to see you both. <laughs> and can you give our love to Lou as well? And please tell her that we won't bite if she comes on a podcast with us to talk about I mean, some of the things that she really loves because she's such an interesting girl and her knowledge is fantastic. So, you know, big her up a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what we need. We need Lou involved with the greenhouse uh, chat because, you know, she's um, an excellent propagator and, and lots of things. It really is a his and hers greenhouse. And the nicer of the two greenhouses we went in last, that's Lou's greenhouse, you know, that's <laughs> full of lovely things. Well, I cannot wait. Lou, if you're listening to this, we want to see you next time. Until then, though, thank you very much, Steve. Good luck with everything. Good luck with, you know, getting to a part of the season where you can actually sit down and put your feet up for a moment, because I know that's probably been a long time coming. But until next time, happy gardening, everybody. Happy gardening, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> happy gardening. Thank you, guys. Hey. 
Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. <laughs>